This is the Daily Perspective Podcast for Friday, January 15th, 2021. Hi there, Mark Coggleton here, your sometimes humble host for this 51 minutes of observation, insight, and absurdity. Yeah, I know, if you're, if you're on the live feed, it goes for an hour, but for the podcast subscribers, it's 51 minutes. Okay, it's 50 minutes and 59 seconds, usually. Welcome to the life of somebody who's lived a long time in the radio business, where everything revolves around the clock. It's all a matter of time, minutes and seconds. <laughs> I hope you're doing well. All is well with you and yours, and everybody is hunky and dory at the same time. If not, take them out back and deal with it. It's a Friday edition of the podcast, and right off the top, I have to let you know I'm now out of the YouTube's jail. The, uh, the, the, YouTubers, the YouTubes sent me... Uh, an email sometime in the dark of night to let me know that my um, my appeal had been reviewed and they said, well, son of a gun, there really isn't anything wrong with that podcast. So <laughs> it just has to make you say, hmm, what's going on with the, with the YouTubes? Well, I'll tell you what's happening with YouTube. YouTube is a, is a Google company. It's the same thing is happening there that's happening everywhere else in big tech and that is that there is oh let me change the graphic there we go uh, there is a um, a noticeable a very noticeable shift to the left and towards totalitarianism they are um they are practicing progressive intolerance they will not tolerate anything they disagree with and they will label it as violence or as hate or as any number of things in order to justify scrubbing the, their world, their universe, of things which don't agree with their viewpoints. Now, I made, a, let's see, I put a post on Facebook uh, yesterday. I've, I've done this before. I've posted this before. But I, I posted it again, and it's a quote from William F. Buckley. And I'm looking now, and wouldn't you know it, it's gone? How about that? Isn't that interesting? That, let me see if it's over here. Is that, that's it, yes. William F. Buckley once said, liberals claim that they want to give a hearing to other views, but then are shocked and offended to discover that there are other views. <laughs> it's funny, but it's true. <laughs> oh my gosh and that's where we are i got i got put in facebook jail or youtube's jail for expressing basically a different viewpoint than is accepted by the adult children who are policing the web today those and i re, i use that term because dealing with progressives and leftists in social media is a lot like a parent dealing with a rebellious child. Why do you hate me? This is the attitude we get back from people on the left. But usually they're very, very calm about it. They just look at you and, and declare that you are practicing hate. And, of course, they label everything they disagree with as some form of hate. And so, if you disagree... If you post contrary opinion, if you really don't see things eye to eye with them, and especially, 
<laughs> Especially if you point out their error and back it up with documentation, you are a hate monger. So it's important for you to understand that. If you're going to wade in with the left on social media, be prepared, one, not to just say, oh, yeah, but to back things up. And two, to be prepared to face a lot of email coming back your way that just declares that you are a hateful person and that you are practicing some form of hate against some segment of the population because you look at things honestly and truthfully instead of through the eyes of fantasy, of make-believe, of imagination. And right now, a lot in our lives in the United States of America is viewed through the lens of imagination, where people imagine that someone born with male chromosomes could actually be female, and someone born with female chromosomes could actually be male. It is a fantasy. Gee, I wish this could be real. I wish, I wish a, a bright, shiny white unicorn would appear in my life and, and guide me through everything. No, I'm sorry. This is not going to happen. And if you believe you, honestly, if you believe you're a flying monkey, okay. But you're not a flying monkey. I'm sorry to tell you that. This is just life as it is. You're going to have to get used to it. Another thing you're going to see when you deal with people, the left, progressives, on social, in social media, is the comment selection section below what you post or your comment. The responses to your comment will be filled with profanity. There will be a lot of profanity. It'll be you, that, and your friends, your, your family, the president, everything you defend will be blasted with profanity. Get used to that idea. It's, it's, it's just going to happen. There's no way around it. There's no way to avoid it because you're dealing with somebody with the lack of mental capacity, which has to use to fill the void. That's just what it boils down to. Now, yesterday, I, I told you I was a little confused because my, my wife, Jane, sweetest woman in the world, has uh, sent me a text and said that she had gotten a notice that uh, uh, my YouTube channel, my YouTube video from the other day, the podcast from the other day, had been, uh, <laughs> had been quarantined, had been, um, had been declared unclean, and she was confused. And she confused me even more because there's no reason she should have gotten a notice about that because uh, she's not a subscriber. She doesn't, she doesn't pay attention to the YouTube channel. She follows the Facebook and she, you know, she follows uh, me basically wherever I am, but YouTube is a different thing. I just decided to, to kind of fire that up recently because I'm fed up with the lack of reach on Facebook. And it's not that there's a heck of a lot more reach on YouTube because if I try to tell people on Facebook, that's where I am, then that Facebook lack of reach goes into play. And hey, the people that I lost on Facebook don't know I'm on YouTube either. So, eh. so it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a no win situation, but she, she's not into the, into the YouTube thing, eh, but she does listen to my podcast and she does know what I have to say. And she understands where I'm coming from and she agrees. And 
I was confused about why she would have gotten some sort of a notice about that. And basically what it was, was that when I posted about going to YouTube jail, she got a notice about my post going up. And that's what it was. (laughs) The way she communicated it was like, what? (laughs) I was completely confused. At any rate, I understand now because this morning uh, we were going to, I was going to ask her about it last night and it just, you know how things get, you get home, you get busy, things happen. Other things get in the way, stuff slides, you forget. And this morning, um, this morning I shared the email from YouTube with her about them letting me out of YouTube jail. And she said, Oh yeah, that, that, that yesterday that I texted you about blah, blah, blah. And that's what that was, was she just got the notice about my post on Facebook referring to YouTube and she was confused, and she confused me, and now it's all clear for, for a little while. <laughs> and that's the, that's the craziness of, of yesterday. And it seems to be over, and yesterday's podcast didn't get flagged, so I guess we're okay. There's Honestly, I'm really careful because of my background. I'm really careful about copyrighted material. I'm, copy, I'm careful about stuff that has to have royalties paid. I'm careful about all of that because... I'm not running a radio station here, so I don't have any kind of a um, an ASCAP BMI, you know, uh, contract or agreement or anything. I'm not playing anybody's music. There's there's a sound, sound stream, sound source, something like that. There's a there's an online version. Pardon me. There's an online version of that whole royalty scheme as well. And I'm not in. I'm not paying that. That's like five hundred bucks a year. Um, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not paying that. I'm not in that. So I'm not playing copyrighted music. I'm paying everything that you hear: the bumper music, the intro, the outro, all that stuff. It's all stuff that I've paid for. It's it's I I have I have a monthly subscription to a service that provides me with little things like that, and it costs me. It's like fifteen dollars a month. So I I have this huge library of stuff to pick from. Which is one, and I have a pretty large library of things to to play, which is one reason it annoys me when the computer gets stuck in a loop and plays the same bumper music again and again and again. It's like, hey, Ralph, you, you want to wake up and play a different song from time to time? But anyway, uh, so I'm, I'm very careful and I'm aware of the rules and the regulations. I'm, I'm not trying to dodge anything. I don't want to get in any trouble. And I don't want the reach of what I do squelched in any way. That is my fault. I want it to be somebody else's fault if that happens, because I'd enjoy talking about that. <clears throat> I wouldn't enjoy talking about me being stupid. Uh, speaking of being, being stupid, House Speaker, see the transition, Nancy Pelosi, Sieg Heil, announced that lawmakers on Capitol Hill will be fined if they refuse to pass through new metal detectors before they enter the House chamber. Oh, yeah. Bypassing security will cost you, if you're a member of the House, five grand for the first offense, ten grand for the second. They'll take it right out of your salary. The new rules will be adopted when the House term House returns on January 21st, by the way, my birthday. According to Pelosi, the fines were created after House Republicans refused to adhere to the new safety regulations. Quote, many House Republicans have dis- disrespected our heroes by verbally abusing them and refusing to adhere to basic precautions, keeping members of our congressional community, including the Capitol Police, safe, so says Pelosi in a statement. The House will soon move forward with a rule change imposing fines on those who refuse to abide by these protections. The fine for the first offense will be five grand, eh, ten grand for the second, deducted from members' salaries, yada, yada, yada. 
Now, there's more to this. Uh, Thomas Massey, the representative, criticized the proposed fines. He tweeted, uh, how does this not violate the 27th Amendment, which states no law varying the compensation for the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened? Um, Several GOP lawmakers bypassed the new security measures after they were installed this week, including freshman member Lauren Boebert who engaged in a standoff with Capitol Police when she refused to let them search her bag after setting off the alarm. In case you don't know this, she is a a Second Amendment proponent and a concealed carrier and has every bit of licensing to to concealed carry everywhere in Washington, D.C. She says, I'm legally permitted to carry my firearm in D.C. and within the Capitol complex. Metal detectors outside of the House would not have stopped the violence we saw last week. It's just another political stunt by Speaker Pelosi. Congressman Debbie Lesko echoed her colleagues' criticisms. She tweeted, For members of Congress to enter the floor of the U.S. House, we now have to go through intense security measures. On top of the security we already go through, these new provisions include searches and being wanted like criminals. We now live in Pelosi's communist America. (laughs) Can I just tell you what I think is absolutely ludicrous about this? And that is that that Speaker Pelosi is following Joe Biden's example in creating a gun-free zone. And 90, is it 96%? I think it's 96% of all mass shootings since gun-free zones have been instituted have happened inside gun-free zones. So, Nancy Pelosi has created her own little communist empire by dictating that you will go through a security check. They will check your papers. They will inspect every... They'll check all your bags, your briefcases. They'll, they'll search you. They'll wand you. And in spite of the law which they are completely disregarding. They're going to subject you to their oppression. Welcome to Joe Biden's America. This is how the left does things. It doesn't matter if it's constitutional or not. It's what they want. Friday, January 15th, 2021, whatever it takes, it's the Daily Perspective Podcast. And scanning through the break, the FBI is tracking an extensive amount of concerning online chatter, including calls for armed protests leading up to next week's presidential inauguration. So says FBI Director Chris Ray yesterday. It was his first public appearance since January 6th, the riot at the U.S. Capitol. And as riots go, it really was a wimpy one, I just got to say. I I said that yesterday in other words, but as riots go, the January 6th one was pretty wimpy. I mean, compared to burning a church, it it was pretty, pretty wimpy. Compared to all the damage done on Inauguration Day 2017, it was really lame. Wait, what, what, when, where, where? Where was that? Um, but 
the hang on a second here i need to fix something i need to insert here interrupt here yes i need you to interrupt right now i uh, eh. <laughs> my uh, pardon me it's just uh it's just uh, there we go that should stop it hmm it didn't well that's interesting I I just had a computer malfunction, so and I apologize if you're live, if you're listening live. It's just everything went funky on me, and I don't know why. Anyway, um, so it, it, the this this attack, this riot, really wasn't much of one. It, it was just why why do that? It shouldn't have. It uh, it should have uh, it should have done nothing. It should have done absolutely nothing because, come on, eight, I'm trying to work on something here again. The, uh, um, let's see, should that work? Okay. That should work. And it, and watch, it won't do it. it again, it won't. It's just so stupid. <laughs> I See, okay, let me just back up and do a little tech explanation here. The brakes that run during the, uh, during the, see that that's the, the brakes that run that's that's computer playing audio in the background where i've got it turned down where it's not supposed to be playing audio in the background um the uh, the computer runs the these brakes and there are things called interrupts and it's supposed to stop everything at that time hmm? it's just stop everything no there's got to be silence nothing happens here and it's not working it's just, it's just actually what it's hap- What's happening right now is that my computer is playing in the background where well, here, I'll turn what it. What are you doing in my room? The it's playing everything that's supposed to have been played for the next two breaks. And that just makes life weird. Um, okay. Back to the subject at hand. And that is that we had this, we had this, uh, what they're calling an insurrection and it was really very feeble and compared to what the left has done just in that one city in Washington, DC in the past, it really was wimpy. But the Democrats are taking advantage of what happened. They're using this capital, the recent capital riot, and I'm air quoting riot, to uh, consolidate power. And this is coming from thefederalist.com by Ben Weingarten. He says the Capitol Hill riot was inexcusable, pathetic, and a disgraceful display. Its consequences will extend well beyond the bloodshed and property damage inflicted by those who shamefully acceded to the left's view that force is a legitimate means of persuasion. Exhibited repeatedly via the left's normalization of political incitement and violence through President Trump's term in office, throughout his term in office. The riot not only overshadowed the corruption that marked the 2020 election and undermined the MAGA movement's people and principles, but set up Americans of all political stripes for an onslaught of their rights and cherished freedoms. The riot was an accelerant for what was already likely planned under Democrat rule in Washington, crushing dissenters from its leftist orthodoxy as part of of an effort to achieve total power by disenfranchising the opposition. President Trump has personified this dissent, but the effort to delegitimize, deplatform, and ultimately destroy him and anyone around him is merely the opening scene of The Godfather, like setting of, set, the settling of scores with all who threaten the ruling class's power and privilege. This effort will directly harm not just the thousands of peaceful patriots, 
who had descended on Washington, D.C., and their tens of millions of like-minded neighbors across the country, but all Americans. The coming crackdown on dissenters in the political realm was preordained in the wee hours of January 6th, when both Georgia Senate seats flipped to the Democrats. Uh, By the way, the reason those Democrats, those seats flipped was because 500,000 people decided not to show up to vote. Half a million people decided, eh, I'm not going to the I'm not going to the runoff. I'm just not. Five hundred thousand people didn't show up to vote. And we only needed about I guess maybe seventy thousand of them to make the difference. That's all it would have taken. Less than a hundred thousand people could have turned this election the other direction, the right direction. But they decided, ah no, I'm disgusted with all this. I'm staying home. And that's why. Now, should Senate Democrats successfully blow up the filibuster, they'll work to pass an agenda which any one item, let alone all, could put Democrats in a virtually unshakable control of the federal government for years to come. They've made no secret of their agenda, which includes such items as mass amnesty for illegal aliens, statehood for Washington, D.C., statehood for Puerto Rico, and federal enshrinement of mail-in voting through a re-upped H.R. 1. Needless to say... Total leftist political control will erode liberty and justice and be used to target dissenters in cruel and unusual ways. In the near term, the Capitol Hill riot has served as a pretext for other corrosive political acts. Calls for the 25th Amendment to remove a sitting president, a second impeachment vote, consultations between the Speaker of the House and the Pentagon about preventing the President from accessing the nuclear codes and discharging his other duties, and calls by our national security and legal apparatus against conservatives and their speech, all under the pretense of combating domestic terrorism and punishing incitement. This is not purely an issue of politics. It'll encompass all of society, civil society. The coming assault on dissenters will play out in areas, in arenas that far transcend our increasingly unrepresentative government. It adjuncts in big tech. Its adjunct in, adjuncts in big tech, woke capital, corporate media, and beyond have already started participating in the purge of their own volition in a continuation of the anti-cultural revolution of summer 2020. It's nothing less than the weaponization of civil society institutions against political dissenters, in conjunction with and often indirectly supported by the state. Americans are now primed to punish their fellow Americans for wrong think to a greater extent than we have seen before. It'll go far beyond banning the President of the United States from major social media platforms, purging countless like-minded voices, and stymieing their alternative means of communication. It'll go far beyond pulling a U.S. senator's publishing deal. It'll go far beyond even firing people purportedly acting peacefully at political rallies. Ultimately, it'll extend across every aspect of the digital world and affect real life as well. Yes, we are headed towards something like China's Great Firewall, where, albeit without the power of a government gun, big tech will silence speech that challenges the ruling class's official narratives, disappear the digital profiles of those who run afoul of its ever-changing terms of service, and take down websites where alternative ideas might proliferate. More chilling is this thought. 
What is to stop the crackdown from going beyond communications to where and how you can work, bank, travel, eat, shop, obtain health insurance, send your kids to school? Think for a second about everything you do in daily life. Consider how reliant you are on goods and services controlled by entities in whole or in part run by executives who are who either hate your political views or think they can survive by currying favor with those who are contemptuous. The left has already said it's making lists to prevent Trump administration personnel from getting jobs in the private sector. What is to stop them or their allies in the media and corporate America from doing the same to any of us? Is there any apparent limiting principle that will keep us from developing a CCP-style social credit system with Western characteristics? as Federalist Sumantra Mitra has put it, whereby private enterprises grade us on ideology and determine what we can and cannot do based on how closely we hew to its ideology? In a world where politics has become all-pervasive, virtue signaling demands not only disavowing, but punishing the 74 million enablers of what the left has been asserting for years is Nazism. As in so many other matters, they've been projecting onto the right what the left itself endorses. If you accede to the view that anything that challenges the prevailing progressive orthodoxy constitutes violence, then you'll take any means necessary to snuff it out. There are an, an, an awful lot of true believers, useful idiots, cynics, and cowed people across American life seemingly willing to adhere to such a principle. It will likely push us to ideological segregation, which will only further fuel hostilities, strife, and chaos. America's cold civil war will only heat up as those with all the power take precisely the wrong lessons from the Capitol Hill riot, and rather than seeking to represent millions of Americans and address their concerns, simply chooses to punish or silence them. We are watching. We are watching this happen, even as I speak. We're watching what resembles the Nazi takeover of Germany happen here. And it, it's a dangerous thing, a very dangerous thing. I suggest that you pay very, very close attention to what's actually happening in America today and see for yourself. Do your homework. Read sources besides the leftist press and learn. In the stack today, I've got a, um, I've got a, an article by Dennis Prager. And it talks about how the left is taking a page from Nazi Germany after the Capitol Hill riot. It sort of expounds on what on what we uh what we we just heard. And I hope that that you're waking up and realizing that 
leftism is bringing us what happened in Germany under the Nazis. That leftism is ushering in something which, well, it's ushering in something which never, ever should exist in in the free nation. I've described it before as being shepherded by a group of people who honestly believe that we are too stupid to take care of ourselves and that that we must we must not be allowed to take care of ourselves because we don't know how to and so we have a group of people who see for themselves see themselves as our shepherds and we need to be very careful when they take that view let me see if I can fix what's wrong computer wise we'll be back right after the break here as the daily perspective continues it's the daily perspective podcast for Friday, the 15th day of January 2020. Good to have you along. Hopefully, all is well with you. I'm trying to fix a problem here, and I apologize for being distracted. But we're going to switch some things up here and see if we can fix an issue. And while the computer's doing that, I'll move forward here. Now, Dennis Prager, as I mentioned before, I uh, took a little break there, has an article called, Here's How the Left is Taking a Page from Nazi Germany After the Capitol Hill Riot. Now, he dealt with this uh, in a prior article, which I didn't share with you, and he refers to that here, but I, I'm going to go ahead and read through this because it's important for you to hear what Prager has to say. Now, Prager, if you're wondering why, why would I talk to him, Prager Prager's entire, his, his whole thing in his college education, he focused on communism. He studied communism. He, he, he studied all of these things about how, how it worked and how it, how it was implemented and the influence it had, the damage it did, and the like. And it's important that we, that we pay attention to what Dennis Prager has to say. So here's his article. Samuel Samuel. Let's see. Uh, in my last column, he says, I described how I have come to better understand the moral problem of the good German. The term used to describe the average, presumably decent German who did nothing to hurt Jews, but also did nothing to help them and did nothing to undermine the Nazi regime. Watching America accept the rationality and moral, a morally indefensible physical and economic lockdown of the, of the country, I concluded apathy in the face of tyranny turns out not to be a German or Russian characteristic. I just never thought it could happen in America. In one week, it's gotten worse. Now we are faced with a lockdown on speech, the likes of which have never been seen in America. And the parallels with Germany are even starker. The left-wing party, the Democrats, and the left-wing media, the mainstream media, are using the mob invasion of the Capitol in exactly the same way the Nazis used the Reichstag fire. On February 27, 1933, exactly one month after the Nazis came to power, 
the German parliament building, the Reichstag, was set ablaze. The Nazis blamed the fire on their archenemy, the communists, and used the fire to essentially extinguish the Communist Party and its ability to publish, speak, or otherwise spread its message. Using the Reichstag fire as an excuse, the Nazis passed the Enabling Act, a law that gave the Nazi Chancellor Adolf Hitler the power to pass laws by decree without the Reichstag. Now to America in 2021. On January 6th, a right-wing mob of a few hundred people broke away from a peaceful right-wing protest involving tens, if not hundreds, of thousands of American conservatives and forced its way into the U.S. Capitol. One Capitol policeman was killed after being hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, and one of the right-wing Capitol invaders was shot by a Capitol police officer. A handful of others who died in the vicinity of the Capitol did so of nonviolent causes. Aside from their sm- from smashed windows, the mob seems to have done little damage to the Capitol. Their intent is still not clear. It seems to have been largely catharsis. They hurt no legislators, and if they intended to overthrow the government, they were delusional. Beginning the next day, the American left used the Capitol mob, just as the Nazis used the Reichstag, as an excuse to subjugate its conservative enemies and further squelch civil liberties in America specifically freedom of speech. Twitter permanently banned the President of the United States. And any Twitter account found tweeting Donald Trump was permanently banned. The left was able to do all this, not only by using the Capitol mob incident, but also by engaging in a series of lies. The first was blaming the attack on President Donald Trump. Over and over in every left-wing medium and stated repeatedly by Democrats, Trump is blamed for inciting the riot in his speech just before it took place. Almost never is a Trump quote cited. Because there is none. On the contrary, he did say, quote, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Another lie was the immediate labeling of the mob attack on the Capitol as insurrection. All left-wing media and Democrats now refer to the event as an insurrection, a term defined by almost every dictionary as an act of or instance of revolting against civil authority or an established government. As morally repulsive as the actions of the mob were, they did not constitute a revolt against civil authority or an established government. Disrupting the work of legislators for a few hours, as wrong as that was, does not constitute a revolt. But what proves the left's insurrection label is a lie, uh, is that Democrats and their media never once labeled the left-wing riots of 2020, which involved the destruction by fire and or occupation and vandalizing of police stations and the establishment of autonomous zones, which by definition revolted against established governments, as an insurrection. The enormous number of businesses burned down, looted, or otherwise destroyed was barely covered by the mainstream media, and their violent perpetrators were almost never prosecuted, let alone condemned, as engaging in an insurrection. Dozens of people were killed in these riots, 
Yet there was more outcry and condemnation against the House hours-long occupation of the U.S. Capitol than against six months of left-wing violent riots. Then, like the Nazi regime after the Reichstag fire, the left immediately moved to further curtail civil, civil liberties, specifically conservatives' ability to promote their ideas. Twitter and Amazon made it impossible for the alternative to Twitter, Parler, to exist all in the name of preventing another right-wing insurrection. In the name of the Capitol insurrection, the Democrats announced they would impeach the President of the United States, though he had only 14 days left in office. In the name of the Capitol insurrection, the editor of Forbes, Randall Lane, announced that Forbes Media was holding those who lied for Trump accountable in what he called a truth reckoning. Quote, hire any of Trump's press secretaries, and Forbes will assume that everything your company or firm talks about is a lie. In the name of the Capitol mob attack, 159 law professors at Chapman University have called for the firing of John Eastman, a tenured fellow, law professor, and holder of an endowment chair at Chapman because his actions Wednesday that helped incite a riot. Eastman had spoken at the Trump rally. The professors ended their Los Angeles Times letter saying, he does not belong on our campus. Words well chosen. What the left is doing is announcing and enforcing that conservatives do not belong in our society. The parallels to 1933 are precise. And most good Americans are keeping silent, just as did most Germans. Though they do not risk being beaten up, are Americans in 2021 as afraid of the American left as Germans in 1933 were of the German fascists? We're about to find out. And that's Dennis Prager. The article called, Here's How the Left is Taking a Page from Nazi Germany after the Capitol Hill riot. That's over at westernjournal.com. Remember, links to all of this are available at linkreport.us. The link to this, and I I suggest you actually dig into this particular article because there are a lot of links in it, a lot of links which go to what Prager is talking about to help you further understand, more deeply understand what he's had to say. You see, the left is engaging in what the left did in Germany in those days. All the while referring to the right as Nazis. I had an exchange with a young man the other day, I told you briefly about it, who who insists that insisted that the, the, the Nazis weren't socialists, who insisted that what happened in Germany was, was a, a rose from the right. And the problem with, this, with that is that history doesn't support that view. It's a view that you will see very often from friends on the left, liberal friends, progressive friends, if they haven't already unfriended you who just accept what they're told, though it has no basis in 
It has no basis in actual history itself. And it's a sad thing to see our friends, our neighbors, even just our social media friends, fall for the line that's being fed to them instead of actually looking into things and finding the reality of a, of a situation or a claim. I reminded this young man, as I remind you right now, that every time this sort of thing has arisen, fascism, for example, fascism and its oppression has always risen from the left. Always. Always. Now, your college professors may have told you otherwise, but your college professors are leftists. They're going to defend their ideology and condemn those that oppose it. Never forget that. It's the Daily Perspective Podcast. (laughs) I just had another computer glitch. Yay! Oh, man. (sighs) I promise over the weekend I'll beat it into shape. It's just in a... That was actually my fault completely. I was trying to make an adjustment, and it just blew everything out. Completely my fault, so I apologize. It's a uh, Friday edition of the podcast, and (laughs) thank God it's Friday. It's a... um, man computers they're smarter than you are and they always prove it to you when you try to mess with them i will and i know what i did wrong now i know what i did wrong i should have adjusted something else instead of that first and then i well it blew everything up but but we're back so it's the daily perspective podcast for a friday for the uh, 15th day of January 2020, and I just finished telling you about Dennis Prager and uh, and his story, and there's more going on, and I want to I wanna pass along a couple of things to you. Is that? Yeah, I've got that ready, and I've got that ready. Boy, I'm second-guessing everything now. At this point, everything is like, ah. So the, the current atmosphere in America is becoming evident to, to pretty much everywhere, everyone. Franklin Graham. Over at theblaze.com, there's an article by, uh, by Breck Dumas called Franklin Graham Casts Shame on House Republicans Who Voted to Impeach Trump, and he likens them to Judas. And I don't disagree. There are those in the Trump administration. And I've said this before, but let me reiterate it, and that is that there have been those in the Trump administration who, from the very beginning, have been anti-Trump. They have not liked him. They haven't liked the fact that he is the president. They, they, they're offended that this reality TV show host and this billionaire is now sitting in the White House in the Oval Office instead of a politician, a member of the political class, someone that they believed should have been in the Oval Office. They've been deeply offended by this for the entire time. And trust me, when they're in private conversations, there's a lot of going on. Yeah. So the... Uh, the uh, the attitude around President Trump, except for those who really, really have understood that he is operating not as a politician, but as someone who sees the problems and is trying to fix the problems. You see, this is a guy who comes from a corporate, a business background. He's a he's a big business developer. He develops real estate properties. He comes in and he buys some place. And he fixes what's wrong with some place so that it will actually function properly and be profitable again. 
And he has for a long time been watching our government and like many of us has concluded it's broken and needs to be fixed. And the best way to fix it is to roll back a lot of the insanity that has been layered on top of the founding principles and get back to what works. And that's what he's been trying to do. And there have been, for the entire time he's been there, people around him who have been against everything he has done because it's not business as usual. I've likened this to the members of an established church and their response to a new pastor who comes in and changes changes some of their cherished traditions because their cherished traditions aren't accomplishing anything but stroking them and keeping them happy. And that does happen, by the way, in churches everywhere where a new pastor comes in uh, into a denominational church and he sees we could improve things here. We could be, we could save a lot of money here. We could reach a lot of people here. We could feed some people over here. Uh, we could pay. Uh, we've got some people who are suffering. We could pay their bills if we cut some things over here that aren't necessary. And so he starts working, and because he's messing with some things that have always been accepted or were started by people who they are revered deeply by older members of the church. He's fighting uphill all the way. This happens, and you know it happens, because odds are you may have seen it happen, where someone comes in, things are changed, and they say, but we've always done this before. It's, it's kind of like when I was working with a group of people who were, who, uh, were volunteers in a capacity that these were people who displayed graphics on screens in a church. Uh, this is a church environment thing. And they, they were the people who put the words on the screens for the songs during worship services and who put the, you know, the pastor would refer to, turn to the chapter uh, so-and-so of the book of Mark, and, and, and they would put the scripture up on the screen he was talking to. Or he might have an illustrative slide or a video or something like that, and these were the people responsible for firing off what goes on the video screens, and uh, at least the graphics. And I, they had been using... Um, you're familiar with PowerPoint. Most people are. They've been using PowerPoint for years, which is good in a corporate environment for showing slides of what you're presenting to someone, but it really lacks the, uh, the, it lacks the flexibility necessary in a church environment. So I had changed to a completely different method using a piece of software that was being used, was developed for music festivals and conferences and things like that, but was now available for churches all over the place. And I had said, hey, let's put uh, this kind of computer in. Let's load this up on it, and we can do all of these things with it. And they said, oh, that's a great idea. The church, the, the office said, that's a great idea. Let's do that. But the volunteers, every time I was, during the training process, they would say, well, in PowerPoint, you can do this. And every time we would encounter something they didn't understand, that's what they would say. Well, in PowerPoint, you can do this. <laughs> and I finally looked at all of them and I said, look, we don't have PowerPoint anymore. This is not PowerPoint. This, when you learn it, you'll understand is far better than PowerPoint for what we're doing. It's, it was a program called ProPresenter. Go look it up. It's, it's an incredible program. Incredible program. Now, 
that same kind of complaint happens everywhere when you make changes. I don't understand. This is not the way we've always done it. This is the way we used to do it. And that is the reference. It's just natural. People do that. But people also will say, this is wrong because this is not how we've ever done it before. And that's not necessarily correct. Just because it's different than what you've done before does not necessarily make it wrong. But people who are entrenched in their belief systems, people who are entrenched in their thinking, those people will always think you making changes is wrong. And that is something we need to understand. They will always say, well, that's wrong. They will always disagree. They will always try to put a stop to what you're working on. They will always hinder your progress. And it happens in many different places. I've experienced in my professional career, I've experienced the same thing happen. In fact, my my radio partner and I, uh, Dave and I, um, we encountered some serious resistance at one point at a station we were at. And we learned later that there was an individual in that station, on the staff of that station, who caused practically every headache we ever had because that person didn't like the way we did things because it wasn't the way they had always done things. And it happens, as I said, it happens everywhere. And so here we are. We find ourselves um, we find ourselves faced with a change of of um, administration in DC. We find ourselves eh, facing the potential of some very seriously bad things coming because when progressives take over, they took, take over with a vengeance as I've illustrated with the stories I've related to you today, that progressives will come in and make sweeping changes. Remember, please, please remember that we're dealing with the same mentality. Remember, Change will not come if we wait for some other person or if we wait for some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for the people coming in in this administration back then believed they were the ones that that they'd been waiting for they were the agents of change they were the people who were going to who were going to um to accomplish what barack obama said that they would accomplish We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. And so, because they are true believers, they are passionate about their cause, because they are, um, because they really honestly think that they are right in what they do, and that they know better, that they are wiser, that they are needed because we are not wise enough, smart enough, 
competent enough to actually understand why they are doing what they're doing. These people, when they get an opportunity to take power and control, will do so with a vengeance, a real vengeance. They will do everything within their power to change what they need to change, to conform to their ideology. And it doesn't matter who stands in their way. Because if you stand in their way, they're wrong. They're, you're absolutely wrong. You can't stand in their way. You must be taken out of their way. Which is why we face things on a daily basis just as people, just as folks, when we're dealing with social media, like I have the last few days, dealing with the YouTubes. Because there are those people who are the arbiters of all things which are true and right. And they must be heeded. If they're not, then everything is wrong. Everything is very, very wrong. So, just keep that in mind. That we are dealing with people who are true believers. And a true believer, got to be honest with you, is dangerous. A true believer, if they believe passionately in a cause which is a delusion, will do a lot of damage and harm a lot of people in the process of accomplishing their goals and sticking to their mission. Never forget that. And right now, we're watching... Joe Biden staff his departments with leftist true believers. That's it for today. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Let's get back together again Monday for the next edition of the Daily Perspective Podcast. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Lock off now and take the next two days off. How's that?